Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from our guest speaker. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or our website for ways to give. I know let my wife Lacey talk, uh, touched on it. Uh, let me just share a few things. I, I've gone to dinner the last couple nights with a few people. I've uh, I got Nathan and other people saying, hey, let Providence know what's going on. Uh, like Lacey said, I should actually have her up here. She's, I think, a better speaker than I am. Um, she's definitely way prettier. People are paying more attention to her than me. Um, that's right. Amen. That's right. <laughs> exactly, Steve. Thank you. Gift of encouragement, Steve Lotta. But trying to just sharing negative and hard things, that, that, that's never been my MO. That's never been my heart. I want to share what God's doing because I serve a big God. But the reality of it is things are completely different. Like my wife Lacey said, with no gas and diesel in the country, the gangs have completely controlled it. Um, when you find it, it's anywhere from 32 to $60 U.S. a gallon. Diesel's been a little cheaper. I mean, I bought 120 gallons of diesel for a little over 3,000 U.S. dollars. So when people complain about, and I get it, it's frustrating, but when you talk about four and five dollars here, I would love to pay four or five, six dollars a gallon when I'm paying 32 to 60 in Haiti. Uh, there's a while where people are like, hey, Pastor Mark, I haven't seen you in town. I was like, I know, I have no fuel. Like, I, I, I can't, I don't have any gas. I have no diesel in my trucks. I mean, literally, there was just nothing. Uh, there were days where we weren't running the generator, no AC at night. Uh, you're just it's been a challenge. There's no ships coming in. The big ships, there's a couple big uh, companies that have ginormous right, cargo ships. They are not even bringing the rice and all the flour and all the things that they normally bring to help sustain Haiti. Uh, the fuel ships are not coming in because the gangs are controlling the port. So you can imagine whatever rice, for the first time in the history of 14 years at Haiti Ball Mission, my family went back a couple months ago, whatever it was, and we were actually packing food and rice in our suitcases. I've never had to do that before. But with the, the food prices are through the roof because ships aren't coming. So supply and demand, there's nothing hardly there. And so it's absolutely out of control. The, the, the food prices have more than tripled, quadrupled, and the average wage is still 3 to $5 U.S. a day. And so you can imagine how people are hurting. Sorry, I'm a little dry. It's nice and uh, humid in Haiti, and every time I'm up here, it's so dry. You know what I'm saying? Things that are affected by that, they let 60 prisoners go out of just in the last couple of weeks out of our local prison that are rapists, child molesters, um, thieves, um, you name it, they're walking around Jeremy now. I mean, I've gone to the prison, which we have a prison ministry. We go down and do food and water and do things down there. But because there's no gas, they can't run the generators. They, with no food coming in, they can't feed the prisoners. Um, and so in order to keep people from dying in the prison, which is happening, they're, they're letting them go. Uh, that's not cool. The banks are not open. Once in a while, they're open one to two days a week for a couple hours. So getting money is a huge, huge challenge just to get money and cash to be able to, to, to function. The hospitals are not operating, like when I say not operating, like 10%, 20% they're operating. Uh, we just had somebody that was sick, needed surgery, had to get them over to Lakai and Port-au-Prince, and that's a challenge when fuel prices are through the roof. I uh, had a good friend, Gregory, who I played basketball with once in a while just a few weeks ago. His wife died after giving birth to their baby. Nothing wrong with her, just needed some IVs, some fluids, and there's no doctors, no nurses there. There's no electricity because they need diesel to run the generators. Uh, doctors and nurses cannot get to work because there's no gas, so they just don't show up. 
So people are there, and it's, it, it's an absolute nightmare. Uh, trying to treat water is a challenge, because without diesel, you can't, the, the, power, the plants can't function. Um, people are selling belongings, furniture, motorcycles, just to get money to buy food. This is what, this is what, we're, what we're dealing with, what my wife Lacey said every day. It's, just, it's been survival uh, for the last year. Trying to give out food in our food distributions, which you guys see us, we have to have uh, SWAT and uh, policemen escort our truck out to the country because food is so valuable, so valuable. We've had different gangs and people try to come and steal that food. And anybody that knows me knows I don't really shy away, do I, Steve? And we've got a great security team and, and uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna fight to save that food to make sure that uh, elderly and children and families can eat. But there's been some very, very challenging and dangerous situations that uh, God has protected us from. I'm thankful for that. Um, yeah, what we're seeing is something like I've never experienced in 14 years. So what my wife Lacey said is, is, is true. It, it's hard to get up here and tell you that this is the, the negativity, but you guys need to know what it's like. And to tell you some of the measures I've made, uh, just recently I bought a bulletproof SUV. Never thought I would need to do that. Bought a seven-passenger SUV and then sent it off to get $35,000 worth of bulletproofing. They take all the doors. You know all the military guys know. They take all the doors, windows off, and they, they coat the doors, but they actually put in the windows and everything that's, I mean, they're thicker and stronger. All the embassy employees drive those. Uh, so we, we did that to, as a backup for where I go, what I do. And then just a week ago, uh, somebody with a very similar vehicle, Bulletproof SUV, got shot up and killed because they now have armor-piercing rounds. So every precaution Haiti Ball Mission takes, it just makes me realize as my wife goes, you know what, we still have to trust in the Lord. We're going to do our part, but we still have to trust the Lord. Obviously, I still think we have a better chance inside that. At the end of the day, it's like every time we turn around, it's just, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> uh, we're going to do our part, but uh, it, it's, it's a challenge. Most missions and NGOs have actually pulled out right now. We're one of, like Lacey said, we are one of the last few in that area. There's good and bad to that. The good is we're there to help. The bad is everyone sees us. Everyone's Pastor Mark, Haiti Ball Mission, Haiti Ball Mission, just knock, knock, knock. The, 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 the burden and the load to try to care for people that we never had that struggle before because we had our leaders, we had our zones, we had our communities, but it's at a level that we've never, ever experienced before. That is, a, that is a huge challenge. Let me share some positive. You guys like positive? Can I share a minute of positive? What is God doing? When they're all burning down and stealing during the riots, which many of you have seen that, we had several leaders from, and, and gang leaders that are friends of ours come up and stand in our compound and meet with us and say, our soldiers are your soldiers. We will defend your, your compound. And they spent the night there. Thank you. God is good. They spent the night. They brought some of their people up, and uh, they, they literally helped us protect along with our security team. Just uh, those relationships are huge, huge. Um, one of my favorite things, and this is just how I roll because if I was in Hanover Spring Grove, this is what I would do. But there's a zone called Versailles, and there's a witch doctor named T-Papa, and uh, he's a really good friend of mine. I've never had the opportunity to really invest in his community, but because of the, the, the hunger, he came up to our place earlier the spring, and he goes, Haiti Ball Mission, Pastor Mark, like he's like, my community needs help. Could you do some, could, could you help us with some food? And the need was overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. We took food down there. I said, I'm bringing Bibles though too. He said, that's fine. We brought Bibles down to do distribution along with the food and to see and hear stories of women who are like, I haven't eaten in two days. My kids haven't eaten. This is the only food we have. It just breaks your heart. 
But along with that, we were giving Bibles out. And he even said, hey, do you have more? But we actually ran out of Bibles, had to go get more. But we've been going down there every week to 10 days, doing food distribution, giving Bibles out. He, this is what the witch doctor asked. Would you come down every two weeks and do like a, a, a message, preach or do a service and do Bible study? That's what he said. So... Another interesting thing about Tipop and his zone is one of the ways he makes money is he has a brothel. Anybody know what that is? Runs a little prostitution stuff going on. He has like, I think it's like five doors, five doors on the right, four on the left, uh, little rooms with beds in there. And these women are there. My wife and children were there when we were doing a mobile medical clinic and we're all doing Bible distribution and we have mobile clinics set up just treating people and ladies are handing out condoms and, and my girls and kids are asking what in the world is going on. And, um, like, this is, this is his life. But I told T. Papa when he said, hey, are you coming back next week? And I said, yes. But I said, I want you to know that I said, pretty soon I'm going to put you out of business. I said, what do you mean? I said, because God's going to transform this community. Because I said, you keep telling me to come back with Bibles and share the gospel. And so I said, God's going God's to change this community. And that's what I'm praying and believing. And my kids are praying every day for those women, that they would see the value of who they are in Christ, that when they come to know Jesus, because I believe they will, as long as the gospel is being presented there, God can transform that community. So um, it's pretty cool. If you, if you look at our Facebook page, you'll see where I was uh, sharing the gospel, and I have all these armed guards around me. It, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, but Super cool. It's a dangerous place, but God has given us favor there. We had an outdoor service. We had over 3,000 people attend. Just praising God, um, just worshiping, and uh, just praying for God to intervene. Because without God, we, we're not going to make it. I really don't know how much more we can make it. So the open doors that God is providing is, uh, is amazing, even during the most challenging, difficult season we've ever experienced. I will tell you there's two big projects we're working on. We're trying to change and make Haiti Bound Mission completely solar. Um, we have a big system that we're in the middle of fundraising for. We're about halfway there. It's $50,000. I think we've got about 25000 right now. Um, we, we can't rely on gas and diesel moving forward. You guys with me? You heard the stories. I have to plan and move forward as if we're never going to get gas and diesel again. And so we are trying to do that. That would run everything and get us up and not have to rely on gas and diesel. Uh, another cool thing is, and I'm not going to go into all the details now because I think this is live uh, or whatever, and people can see on the Internet or whatever. So what I'm about to tell you, I'm not going to go into all the details, but you are the, actually the first to know. I'm so thankful for a United States military. I'm super thankful for them. I'm thankful I have some Green Berets and Marine friends that are, and this is why you won't know all the details, but I have a 140-foot boat that we are trying to put 82,000 pounds of food and 20,000 gallons of fuel on that, and Green Berets and United States Marines are bringing that ship directly to Jeremy for Haiti Bible Mission to help the community. What we're going to do is we're going to provide gas and diesel for the power company so they can give power to 160,000 people. Get the banks up and running, get the businesses up and running, get the hospital up and running. And this would only allow it to operate for two weeks. And we're trying to raise like 
$56,000 or something like that. And it's probably even going to be more because we're trying to actually add more on because the a couple of the uh, Marines and Green Braves are believers and they're like, hey, man, w w let's go max. Let's go all out. So we're going to try to max this ship out. And so the details I can tell you face to face. We can't tell you when, right? All these things because of the safety of Haiti Bible Mission, our team. But uh, I'm excited to uh, get the hospital, the, the airport, the banks, the, the businesses open and share the gospel. And I'll be honest with you, more than anything else, that would provide more safety, let's be honest, to, to Haiti Bible Mission mission too. So it's a gospel thing. It's also safety because when you're helping the city, right, the, the, the desire to loot or hurt uh, an organization that's bringing help to the community, uh, they really respect that. So um, anyway, that's, that's what's going on. What do you think? Is that okay? Yeah. I can tell you right now, we're probably not going to be done in eight minutes, but I'm going to have to talk fast. True story, my life, as you can imagine, has been pretty chaotic. I'm not going to be up here and tell you everything, but it's been pretty chaotic. I've told you about the gangs and the guns and the violence and trying to adopt our boys and flying to Port-au-Prince and getting in armored bulletproof SUVs with complete military people to escort us around. My life has been crazy. And Nathan's like, months ago, he's like, I want you to preach. I'm like, all right, great. Little did I know, you know what I mean? Just So I, I got here a couple days ago. I was like, Nathan, can I just be straight with you? Dude? I was like, I have no idea what I'm saying. I do not. My mind has been in the clouds. But um, I can tell you this, that I'm trying to stay kingdom focused. So it's more or less maybe a less of a message and more just sharing my heart because I admit sometimes it's hard to stay focused. Would you guys agree with me? Is it hard to stay focused in life? I think there's so many things that are pulling on us. I think there's a ton of distractions and not all things are sin. I mean, some things are sin, maybe distractions, but not all things are sin. But I just feel like it, it, it distracts us from like being focused on God, Jesus, and his power and his kingdom when there's all these things just pulling on us in every direction. And so I got thinking about some of these things because lately it seems like, like I said, I wish I, I probably could be the one sitting out there as I'm preaching to myself because I'm like, man, what am I struggling with? And sometimes I feel like I'm struggling with this divided heart, not, not being able to like, I, I want to follow Jesus. Like I want to be all in. And then a section that's like, man, you know, it actually be pretty safe if I didn't do all this. You know what I mean? And, um, and I was thinking about James 1 when he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, notice this faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Here it is. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know what double-minded means? I was, I was looking up doing, to be a double-minded person means accepting two sets of contrasting beliefs. The term double-minded is only found in the book of James, and the word double-minded here means someone with two minds or two souls. The person has two desires that will conflict with one another. Wow. Am I the only one that has conflicting desires? Can you see that in your own life? You want to please God, but you still want the, what the world has to offer. Man, God, I want, I'm all in. I'm all in with providence. But man, like there's this thing over here. There's this girl. There's this guy. There's this job. I was thinking too, like Matthew, I'm just going to bounce around like Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. When, when Peter's walking on the water, he got out of the boat. 
and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Guys, the, the waves were not sin. It wasn't a sin issue here. I just feel like he, he was distracted and lost focus on Jesus and the prize that was ahead of him. He was called to come to Jesus, and he just got sidetracked because of everything around him. And I, I, it doesn't say this here in the gospel, but if it was me, because I'm a lot like Peter, I'm a loudmouth, I'm go-getter right type, I'm, an, I'm just crazy. I'm probably just imagining if Peter's out there like, look, I made it to Jesus. And it's actually like, well, this is crazy. And, you know, it was safe from the boat. And where's the boat? Behind him, probably, right? Because he, he ran out and went to Jesus. I bet there's a chance he looked back. Man, look at the 11 back there. Man, that looks pretty safe over there. They're chilling. This is pretty crazy here. He might have looked back. I don't know. I might have looked back. Divided heart. Like, God, I want to come to you, but now I've got all these distractions. I, I've got some difficulty in my life now because I'm about to drown, yet my 11 kemosabis are back there in the boat just chilling. I'm sure there was a little doubt, lack of faith, right? A little distracted. How about Luke 9? Like I said, guys, this isn't the, I'm going to talk fast, but this is just me sharing my heart. Because I love Jesus and I love God's word. I love this thing. You guys love this thing? You guys have it marked up? You guys spend time in it just marking it up? I love this in, in Luke 9, the cost of following Jesus. Listen to this, 57 through 62. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You ever do that? God, I'm with you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. Let me first say farewell to those at my home. 62, here it is. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I've looked back a few times, had to ask God for, for forgiveness. God, forgive me. God, I want to I walk with you. I want to serve you. But at times, man, I look back, man, it's a little easier over here. You know, I grew up on the farm in northern Iowa, and I remember driving tractor as a teenage boy. And I remember when I was planting beans and it was starting to get dark, and I was working for my buddy, Larry Prusner, who was one of the deacons at our church. And I, but I remember this because that I love the illustration he gives here with the plow. I'm planting beans. Any farmers in here? I know Chad Markle and we got some others, but there you go. This is back before the technology. Like now I know you just get in the cab and you push the buttons in the GPS. It's amazing today. I'm talking, this is back when you just had to look at that fence post a mile down and just try to hit that thing. But I'm planting beans, and a couple times I lost sight. It was starting to get dark, and, and I couldn't see where I was going. I looked back to make sure things are good, and when I look up, I could not see where I was going. I had veered off so bad. The next day at church, Larry, my boss, came up to me, and he said, did you plant the beans blindfolded? I was like, geez, Larry, thanks for the encouragement. He said, you were going like a banana, and, and I was like, well, I lost sight of where I was going. I got distracted. And you know, I think in the church too, 
we lose our focus as well. We get distracted and become double-minded with our own desires and lose sight of the goal, and that's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. We could sit right in here and you guys could disagree with me how to raise kids, run a mission, run a church or whatever, but the kingdom of God has to be the focus. It's Jesus. And let's be united and focused on that. I know for me, a lot of times I do. I, I, I look around and, and I, I admit, I, I want to be a guy that's got all this faith and like live a life worth imitating. Hey, I want to be like Mark. But I think I doubt God and I question him. Like, God, I could make more money doing something else. Maybe I could go back into the golf like I did years ago and I, and I would be okay and I wouldn't have to put my wife and my five kids in harm's way. At dinner Friday night, Jordan was like, Mark, how are you really doing? He goes, it's got to be hard because he goes, but you make it look so easy. I said, it's God, but I said a lot of times I don't like putting on a bulletproof vest every day to leave my house. I don't always like having to hug my kids and say, hey, I've got to go help these people. It's going to be a challenge. I've got to go get this done. I've got to go do this food distribution. I'm not saying I enjoy that every time. I don't always love waking up not knowing if I'm going to have drinking water or food. I'm not saying I live for that moment. I'm not saying I love to go to the hospital and watch my friend's wives die because there's just no help. I can't say that I'm always like, yeah, this is great. I'm a missionary laying it all out. There's times I go, you know what? I could go back and just make a ton of money doing something, serving in the local church, doing whatever, and not have to do this. But I go, this is God's call. Until God calls me to something else, this is what I'm doing. And I need to refocus and say, God, I'm looking for you. Because there are distractions all around me right now. There are companies calling me, and that's where the doubt comes in. Going, Mark, we'll pay you this amount of money. I'm like, you will? You have to do what? Just that? You mean I don't get shot at? Nope. And the temptation to leave Haiti Bible Mission, it's real. But what am I focusing on? It's not sin to, to leave and change jobs, but I'll tell you what, God hasn't necessarily called me to that. He's called me to Haiti Bible Mission. And there are people there that are in need, and until God changes that, guys, you can pray for me, but I want to stay focused. I want to look at stuff on the left and right. I don't want to be, you know, looking back going, hey, that might have been better if I did that. No, you know what? I'm going to keep moving forward. It's not easy. Yeah, I'm human. I struggle. I've told you before, my marriage is not perfect. I'm not the perfect father, husband, none of that. I am somebody, though, that spends time with Jesus, and I want to focus on him. But I will admit that if you haven't been in a situation where people are shooting at you or trying to rob you, break into your house, it's a difficult thing. And I need prayer, and I get weak, but I want to be someone who focuses on Jesus. The end goal is Jesus wins. But can I challenge you with this? And the band can come up. One of the biggest frustrations, I think, for missionaries, and I would speak this probably for all missionaries, is when we're on the field laying it all out and, and we hear that the churches in, in America are, are divided and they're fighting. Can I just be real with you? Like, do you know how that breaks missionaries' hearts? We're trying to unify the church in third world countries, fifth world countries. We're trying to sacrifice and lay it all out. And then we got people fighting over the most ridiculous, stupid things. And Satan loves every second of that. Here's my challenge. Why are you fighting? Why is not just providence, why are churches fighting about things that if we were just focused on the kingdom, 
Okay, so the worship isn't what I really care for. It's about Jesus and the kingdom, the end, the end goal. So you don't like the children's ministry. You don't like the parking lot. You don't like the carpet. Well, thank God there's no carpet. No one can complain about it. There's, there's, where is the unity and focused on the kingdom of God? If missionaries are willing to lay it all out on the mission field, and this isn't a pat on my back, I'm not the only missionary that's laying it out. There's missionaries right here, kill you a lot of ministries and serving people. And then there's people in Africa and Asia and, and privacy things in Afghanistan. I get, they're all over the globe. I'm pretty sure we can lay it all out if we come to church at Providence. There's many ways you can serve in the church with local missions. You don't have to go to Haiti. I understand that everyone's called. Not everyone's called to go overseas. I get that. But everyone's called to love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. When, when did we lose sight of that? Were you looking back? Yeah, I'm, I'm a member at Providence, but I'm looking back. Things were better when you're way over here. Doesn't take very long for us to lose focus on what we're trying to do, and that's the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you double-minded today? Are you? I ask myself that a lot lately. I ask myself, Mark, are you chasing your own desires or God's? Maybe you're like Peter. Are you looking at Peter today? Are you looking at the things around you instead of having faith in Jesus? I don't have a choice right now. I'm looking around. The only thing I can do is put my faith in Jesus, but I don't know. In America, sometimes I think we put our faith in a lot of other things. What has God called you personally to do today? What is the mission and vision of Providence? Are you in sync with that? Are you unified with the church body helping advance God's kingdom? Are you? Or are you here for your own selfish desires? Are you helping bring light to dark places? Ask yourself that, are you? Sometimes my life, bringing light to dark places, means I load up with a bunch of security guys and I take food and Bibles and we load up in bulletproof vests and we have plan A, plan B, plan C, and there we go. Pretty sure Hanover's not requiring that to go love on some neighbors. Are you bringing light to dark places? Are there distractions in your life you need to get rid of? I talked about the start, the distractions. I want to stay focused on the kingdom of God. And maybe that's your desire today too. Yeah, I want to serve the Lord. Yeah, God, I'll be your disciple. I'll follow you. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'm in. Yeah, I want you to do this. Nope, can't do it. Too hard. God, I'll give you 80%, not 100%. How many married people here today? Let's, re let's recite our vows together. I promise to love you and give you 80% of my heart. And I'll promise to love you with 80% of who I am, but I'm going to reserve 20%. How many of you are still getting married? Spouse is like, well, if you're not giving at all, 
that, that guys, God doesn't want 80%. He wants 100%. We, we would say that pretty, pretty stupid to say vows in a marriage. Why, why, why would we think it's anything less with that marriage relationship with our Heavenly Father? God, I'm all in. Whatever providence has for me, God, I'm all in. God, whatever you have in my marriage and family, I'm all in. I'm staying focused on the prize in the kingdom of God. God, what do you have in my neighborhood and community? God, I'm all in, 100%. God, if you want me to go on a mission trip, I'm all in. Why? Because I'm focused. God, this isn't about me and protecting my 20% of my desires with that double-mindedness. God, I want to stay focused on you and your kingdom. Let me not look around at everything else. Let me stay focused on you. Would you guys commit today? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to have Nathan or somebody come up and finish, but I just want you guys, would you guys just commit today as a church body to be unified and to get rid of the distractions that are keeping you from fulfilling God's call on your life and this church and stay focused on the kingdom of God. That's my heart. My heart is that we would be unified, not just here, but around the globe, because we're staying focused on the kingdom of God. But one of the biggest things Satan uses is distractions, social media, cell phones, lust, pride, sex, you name it, drugs, alcohol. There are so many things. Sports. Some are sin, some are not sin, but they're distracting you from keeping focused on the prize. That's the kingdom of God. I do not know how much time I have on this earth. You do not know. I want to make every minute count. I want to stand before God and say, God, I did it. I went where you told me to. I brought light to dark places because of your spirit inside of me. I served in my church. I did it with thankfulness, with a smile on my face, because God, this was about you. And I'm on this earth for you, Father God, not me. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.